0: Welcome to The Weekly Beat by Mansa with your hosts, Arnold Segawa, Maggie Mutesi, and Dumi Jerry, giving you all the info on Africa's big finance and economic stories. The Weekly Beat by Mansa.
1: Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this uh, broadcast of The Weekly Beat. Uh, my name is Dumi Jerry, and today I'm coming to you from Port Elizabeth in South Africa. With me, obviously, my beautiful sister, Maggie Mutesi. Uh, coming to us from uh, Dakar let's start with you Maggie how are you doing you well
2: I'm doing fantastic it's a beautiful morning and you know business as usual
1: indeed indeed help me to welcome our lovely guest from Kigali in Rwanda Mr. Henry Nyakarundi
0: how are you doing brother I'm fine Dumi, and and uh, thanks for having me here Maggie also as always
2: yeah, <laughs> it's been quite a long journey.
1: It's a pleasure to have you, Henry. And uh, we're looking forward to learning more um, from your world of uh, startups and scaling startups and how the terrain has been and what you've found. Uh, so I'm not going to do much of the introduction of uh, exactly who you are, except to just say uh, Henry is the founder of Aired, uh, which is a startup focusing on green solutions in uh, Rwanda. But we're going to hear more anyway. And if I missed something, he's going to help us and uh, fill in some more information. Before we kick it off, salutes to all the women in Africa. Uh, we're still in uh, Women's Month. So, hey, it'll be a miss to start the show <laughs> without recognizing. <laughs> and I know Maggie is smiling. <laughs> salutes to you and many other thank you uh, women out there. Henry, before we get into what you folks do at A-Red. Let me start with this question. How do you see the African landscape with particular regards to women entrepreneurs? Do you think they find it easier or it's much harder for them? Uh, one, whether it's raising finance, I mean, raising capital or dealing with VCs. Do guys have it easier or do women have it easier from your take? What do you think, brother?
0: No, they, they definitely don't have it easier. Uh, that's for sure. I mean, uh, I, th- I think uh, women are on the startup uh, scale. They're at the bottom, unfortunately, food chain. And um, the reason are many. I mean, I, you know, I, I think most the, the the biggest problem is they're not taken serious. A lot of investors don't believe they can achieve big things. It varies. It varies. And then we have women have still the stigma. In Africa, as much as we want to change that, there's still that stigma of what a woman role should be. Uh, mm. But it, it is changing, but it varies per country. I like what Rwanda have done in the woman space for sure in Rwanda, but varies per country for sure.
2: Uh, I think for me, um, Henry has put it so uh, plain. Really, um, it's never easy. But I, again, um, even even in a country like Rwanda where we see policies that basically are put in place to support the women so that they are actually able to work in environments that accept them or even uh, cater for their growth. The Mm. society still has that um, belief in them or there's still that society expectations of what women should do in terms of work. Even hard jobs, I mean, there are sectors where you barely find women. Unless if they are, you know, the, the informal workers, even in the mining sector, for example, you will find them as the guys who are down below the, the water. But definitely there is so much work to do. There are strides that are being made. And uh, I think when we kick off conversations like this and we just throw it in for me, I think at the end of the day, it's about mm-hmm. um, speaking about some of these issues and making people understand that it's not just women to really fight, fight for their space, but your support do me. Henry's support and everybody's support really matters because you cannot unlearn 30 years or 40 years of saying this is how you should be in just 10 years. So there's also that internal battle and we need the support.
0: Uh, I just want to add something quickly. First of all, shout out to my mom. My entrepreneurship skills came from my mom, by the way. Hey. Yeah, for sure. Uh, You know, she she was the hustler of the family (laughs) and, uh, the story she used to tell me used to blow my mind. And I, I, I feel like, yes, time I've changed. But how she, you know, nobody in business, like well, she, she used to have a farm, where well, she still has. And she couldn't go there to talk to the farmer. She had to send a man and yeah. and tell imagine? him to pretend that he's the owner of, uh, oh. of the farm to talk to the farmers, right? Because they wouldn't talk to her. They wouldn't even believe because she was telling me also to get a deed as a woman, you know, was very difficult, almost impossible. Imagine that. It's crazy, man. That's why every time I have a challenge, and I tell that people all the time, every time I have a challenge, I just think about what she went through and I realize my problems are very small. They're very small.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And let's keep it with with you, (laughs) Henry. Let's keep it with you. Uh, uh, um, The journey of uh, Ared, where did it start from? Uh, Just take us through briefly like how did it start where did you go and uh to finding up to coming up with this solution why rwanda why not kenya why not uganda why not uh any other country well what was the thought process
0: yeah so A was an idea that came about uh in a time where around 2009 I-, I was tired of living in the u.s it was time for me to i wanted to come back home i was looking for a project and uh I- I was thinking about what what can I do uh back home and initially the A red idea was initially around energy it, it evolved now to different things but initially it was around energy and okay. I was going through uh, a a breakdown you know I, I was just tired man I was tired of, of the west I felt like it was time for me to go back so initially it was Burundi I grew up in Burundi uh really? the refugees okay. there yeah yeah, yeah 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 grew up there and uh, Burundi was chaos I was like no nah, that ain't gonna happen <laughs> man I love that country man to this day that's, yeah. that's my yeah. you know what I'm saying yeah. but I was like yo man this, this you know this going from happening. the west from the US to Burundi that, that, that was that was too much that was just too much I was yeah. like no nah. I yeah. was like yo the stuff I was seeing, I was like, "No, that, that ain't gonna happen." Ain't gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I was like, uh, "So I was like, let me try Rwanda." You know, I never lived in Rwanda. The first time yeah. I came to Rwanda was in '96 for a month. I didn't know Rwanda, yeah. uh, but I liked what was happening early. So I moved back in in 2013, Jan 2013. So yeah. uh, I remember RDB was popping and all those things, and it was very interesting because that idea of RTB was very unique in Africa. So I was like, you know what? Mm. Uh, let me try Rwanda. I'm Rwandan. It's always easiest. A lot of time we think it's easier to start where you're from originally, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, it was not as easy as I thought it was. But structurally, it was the best place to start something.
1: What would you say uh, are some of the biggest misconceptions that exist around uh, startups as well as uh, African landscape of doing business when it comes to startups from your experience in expanding to the other countries. Which countries are they, by the way?
0: Yeah, so we're in Uganda, we're in Ethiopia, we're in uh, Burkina Faso, we in Ivory Coast, and Nigeria right. is actually our next market. Uh, COVID kind of slowed that down. But, but yeah, so first thing is uh, partnership. I always tell people, don't try to expand I've seen too many companies folding because they're trying to expand themselves, set up shop in all those countries. You're going to spend so much money because, again, you can go to Uganda and because it's a neighboring country to run that. But doing business there is totally different than running yeah. Right? Right. Yeah. Um, Burundi, totally different. And yet we, we neighbor, you know, we neighbor, we have a lot of. But again, the mindset, the way to do business and all that is totally different. So you need to work through partnership model. That's just the way you're going to build a sustainable model. Now, that obviously changed based on what type of business you have. But, you know, overall partnership, because the market in Africa is so fragmented, you know, it's suicide to try to set up an open shop uh, in all those countries and, and, and trying to implement your business by yourself. You're going to get burned. As you mentioned, Nigeria is totally, you know, I've been in Nigeria now for the last uh, two and a half years, going there every six months. And um, and by the way, Nigeria is my favorite market. Not for the size. I've never met a Nigerian that even when they have a job, doesn't have three or four businesses on the side. Their mindset. (laughs) I agree. agree. So, I agree. Business. Man, they, they, yo, from sun up to sun down, those guys, man. I love that man. I, I love that culture. I love that. You know, <laughs> so it's like the hustler's
2: oh, playbook, oh you know?
0: <laughs> yes, and I
1: agree with that, uh, with that Nigerian sentiment. I mean, all you have to do is just go and sit, even in the lobby of a hotel in Leki or in Nikoi or wherever, and you just see people coming in and out, meetings happening, and it's
0: infectious. It is.
2: That brings me to something I've always wondered for a very long time. Because let's face it, Africa is different from the United States, Henry. How we do things is completely different. Could it be that we're using the wrong playbook, especially when it comes to doing business? We want to replicate what has been done in developed nations. But, you know, we probably should do it our own way. Because it looks like in the chaos and all that bust and everything is where the opportunity lies. And mm-hmm. For a lot of startup founders you speak to, they will say to you, Nigeria or Nairobi, if you've been in Nairobi, there's no difference. There's so much corruption. There's so much everything. But the startup scene is actually buzzing. So it, it brings that contradiction that, you know, are we using the wrong model or how is it supposed to be?
0: I agree. I mean, um, it is definitely different. I mean, we, t- we cannot compare a country like the U.S. to a continent, right? It is by to be different, for sure. And that's what's missing also in Africa. When you have African startups, you don't have the government behind you supporting. And I'm not talking local support with the laws, the taxes. Those are great. But in the U.S., for example, and, you know, if, if you export uh, a technology to Africa or Asia and all those things, there is agency, government agencies within the government that support those uh, um, entities, those startups in in different areas. We don't see that in Africa. We don't see that. A lot of problem I have with Africa today is we're trying to bring investors. We're trying to bring international companies. We have vehicles to do so, to bring those guys, to give them the red carpet treatment, but we have no vehicle to empower local startup to go beyond their borders, right? And that's what's Mm -hmm. killing, or one of the reasons it's killing the startup ecosystem. And that's why you see it's very extremely difficult for locals to compete with international. It's just the reality.
1: I just want to ask you, uh, and this will probably be like um, a twofold question and probably in closing as well. Uh, Firstly, uh, is there anything that can be done uh, from a regional or uh, governmental support or even a private sector support to support the scaling uh, of startups, or, you know, or not even just the scaling, even just the mm-hmm. establishment of just startups. Because, um, I mean, all of us, all the three of us being entrepreneurs and founders of our own respective companies, we agree that startups are there, or entrepreneurship is, mm. is is rather the future uh, in our continent if we're going to tackle all these problems. So what support can be available to these startups that are being established as well as scaling uh, and then, uh, secondly, is there uh, the appetite from a raising uh, capital perspective? Mm. Uh, actually, let me put in a third one. Yeah. Are you <laughs> are you optimistic? What are your views uh, uh, about the scene, the of the startup world, um, with regards to our continent?
0: Well, I'll start with the last one because the last one is definitely optimistic. I mean, I've seen the trend. I used to say it all the time. Africa is the future. You see now more and more money coming in in Africa. I knew that was going to happen. I mean, just the demographic Mm. alone, we're going to be close to 2.5 billion people in the next 30 to 40 years. I mean, the Uh. number, you know, speak it for itself. So people are looking for opportunity. It has to look at Africa. And that's happening now. And it's going to keep growing. I don't see that trend yeah. slowing down anytime soon. But now the biggest challenge is, uh, you know, what do you do with all this youth? You're not going to find enough job for all those people, right? So yeah. entrepreneurship yeah. becomes the solution, right? right? But now yeah. entrepreneurship failure in a 90% up. 90% yeah. of startups fail, right? Mm-hmm. But we're not really looking at the root of the problem, right? One of the things that government can do and should do is we need to enforce and pass laws that, for example, contractors. Do you know how much money uh, African governments spend on on software development uh, in outside contracts, um, on on importing, you know, staffing and all those things and having um, look at construction businesses and all? There's so much money. That is moving outside the continent because we don't trust ourselves. We don't trust <laughs> that the local guy can do the job yeah, of an yeah. international guy. I am mean, literally, yeah, yeah, mindset, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. We don't give a, I, I can't tell you how many times I hear stories of this agency uh, contracted an Indian company or European company, and you ask them, why are you not getting this small company? Oh, they, they don't deserve this kind of money. Uh, literally, those mm-hmm. are words that yep. I've heard. Yep, yep. I've They heard say that. they deserve I've, money or experience. i heard that. Oh, No, yeah. they
1: don't deserve the money.
0: He'd rather spend millions of dollars to a foreign company instead of giving to a local because he feel like that local is going to benefit, be rich, and him is... So we, we have this, and I, I think it came from colonial time, I'll, I'll be honest with you, with I you but... I think so. I, and I don't want to get into that because that's that's a, that's a debate that never ends. But mm. literally, this is what's happening. We need to pass laws where at least 80% of all the contracts has to be fulfilled locally or regionally, but not okay. outside the country. Period. You can't tell me today, in 2022, there is no company in construction or in software development or in any other uh, industry that can industry. be found Locally or regionally. I don't believe that, you know. And then another thing we need to do is governments need to develop grant programs that are fully funded by them for research and development. That's what's killing Africa right now. And that's why we keep importing technology from outside, right? If you look at the budget on grants from the U.S. government alone, it's bigger than some of the total budget of some countries in Africa, right? Because they wow. understand, without, and Israel, Israel is the perfect example of a small country that have mm. unicorns, oh, over 10 unicorns, and the yes. budget they spend on research and development, God damn where they are today, you know? So we, we need to really spend on, on research and development if we really want to be totally economically dependent. Those are the key things I would say that needs to be changed.
1: That is Henry Nyakarundi. I don't think there's anything I need to add right there.
2: Honestly, it's um, it's interesting to hear some of these things. We never talk about research as much. I've never seen a national budget in my years of media where I've seen government uh, allocating money to research and development. And I know even universities, like uh, we have done projects before leaving universities in Africa that you go back and wonder what happens to these projects actually. Does anybody ever develop them? And what are the universities doing anyway? So I think that's a very key point to actually think think about, not just also in the startups, but in, in other different fields like, yes. you know, health and uh, there's so much we could do. And I think we are actually such a brilliant bunch of Africans that if, if we use our resources, there's a lot we can accomplish as
0: a continent. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. And that's how you—that's how you nurture talents. Yeah, that's how you nurture talent. You know, we're the worst continent on nurturing talents because mm. our talent goes overseas because they don't get. No, it's the reality. We have to be honest with ourselves if we want to change stuff. How many yeah. times you hear in sports, in technology, uh, in the US, in Europe, somebody blowing up? But they left Africa. They, they were struggling and all those things, right? <laughs> uh, but nurturing talent is the foundation. There's so much talent in Africa. That's what hurt me the most. I see so much talent that they just don't have a, a, a way out because we just don't know how to nurture talent. But we'll see. I mean, I, I'm optimistic though. I'm definitely optimistic.
1: That's good. That's a positive note to leave it, folks. Thank you for tuning to this uh, to this episode. A special thank you to my brother Henry Nyakarundi truly truly appreciate and of course my co-host maggie mutesi please remember to visit our website, uh, mansa media africa for more news about the continent in case you missed anything and please follow our social media pages mansa media africa on facebook and mansa underscore Media on twitter also please subscribe to the third opinion which is like our very small snippets uh, opinion letter that comes out every friday with our um, a uh, snippet of thoughts around what's going on in Africa, all the world, and how it impacts on our continent. I am Dumi Jerry. Until the next time, years to peace and profits.
0: The Weekly Beat by Mansa, with your hosts, Arnold Segawa, Maggie Mutesi, and Dumi Jerry, giving you all the info on Africa's big finance and economic stories. The Weekly Beat by Mansa.